0: What did you eat for breakfast?
1: Oh my goodness, I ate my classic, this local sourdough bread with peanut butter.
0: Welcome to Music On Your Own Terms, the podcast that aims to help musicians develop an entrepreneurial mindset through interviews, as well as discussing resources, concepts, successes, and more. Providing a platform to talk about negative emotions, such as anxiety and depression, in order to help overcome them in the context of music and reduce the social stigma. This is episode 138. This episode is sponsored by Ignite Your Music Career. You may remember in episode 90, I chatted to Craig Dodge about sync licensing and how he makes a living through writing music for TV, video games, and film. Musicians all over the world subscribe to Ignite Your Music Career and earn more royalties, more upfront sync fees, and more recurring revenue from their music. Whether you're a composer, singer-songwriter, band, beatmaker, or instrumentalist, your music can be earning you more money. Internationally acclaimed composer, musician, and music educator Craig Dodge has licensed his music in more than 1,000 TV show episodes, films, video games, and ads all over the world, and he will show you how you can too. Ignite gives you the information you need in a simple, accessible format, and you learn at your own pace. For just $6 a month, you get a video lesson each week on topics related to music licensing, from writing techniques to how to find your markets, and everything in between. You also get tools and activities to build the skills you need to be successful, and each lesson includes a royalty-free sound pack to download and use in your own music. The key to success in the music business today is to diversify your sources of revenue. Ignite will show you how. For more information or to subscribe to Ignite, visit the website at terrace studioscom or click the link on musiconyourownterms.com. Chatting with me this time out is Alex Krug from the Alex Krug Combo, all the way from Asheville, North Carolina. We hear about how early memories of her grandmother playing piano with Alex shaped her love of music, how she grew up learning guitar and drums, started writing her own music, and played drums in a grunge band as a teen. We also hear about the process of writing and recording with the Combo, how her drummer Bill recorded several sessions for Bob Dylan's Blood on the Tracks album, Alex's thoughts on prejudice in the music scene, And finally, the challenges she's experienced over the course of the pandemic as a gigging musician. If you enjoy the podcast and want to show your support, I'd be really grateful if you would consider signing up for the mailing list to stay in the loop with everything going on with the show. Just head over to musiconyourownterms.com and click the link. While you're there, you can also visit the store and grab some merch, or just buy me a coffee and help out with the running costs of the show. Thanks for listening. Joining me on this episode is Alex Krug of the Alex Krug Combo, coming from Asheville, North Carolina. So how are you doing and welcome?
1: Good morning. I'm doing fantastic. Excellent. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. So you came to me via uh, my good friend, Joanna, who's been on the podcast multiple times. And actually the last episode that we heard from her, she actually uh, had me put one of your songs on. So, you know, for, for regular listeners, you've already heard Alex's music. Oh, cool. So tell us about, you know, what, what you do and we'll go from there.
1: Well, I write and perform music. I have a band called the Alex Crew combo like you just said and I think what I do is I like to discover things about through music I like discovering things in music and through music and so my writing process and our band's process is all about discovery and getting into a song and seeing seeing where it wants to take us and just getting our hands in there and our ears and making discoveries together.
0: Fantastic. So you're, you're primarily kind of Americana blues rock, but I, but with that mentality, I would imagine that's cut. Kind of, you, you blur the lines quite, quite often. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Our, um, our drummer has a, a, a deep jazz and fusion background and our bass player plays in probably like 20 bands in Asheville and, all over the spectrum and our lap steel player loves like soul and americana and our guitar player has a jazz degree and the person that tina who sings harmony with us she has like a more of a folk background so we all mm-hmm. and i have i just like everything like i get bored mm-hmm. my problem is like i will get bored so
0: yeah, that's a good problem to have yeah, let, let's let's go into your background. I mean, how did how did you get into music in the first place and then what led you to playing instruments and singing?
1: Well, my grandma actually helped help me get into music since I, when I was really little. Like she lived like 2 miles away and my parents would drop me off there, you know, when they needed to do something and she would watch me and she had a piano and she would just plop me in her lap, you know, when you're little adults adults are huge they're like big trees and so i i would get in her lap and she would reach around me and play piano so her hands are like at my eye level you know mm. and she would just play piano and she just was a really loving kind person in my life and so that became associated with vibrations because you know pianos have those long strings they're very resonant there's a lot of real-time acoustic vibrations Uh so I was experiencing that being super close to her and so even if she wasn't playing it it became that anytime I went to her house I would ask if I could play the piano and you know before I even knew how to play the piano I would just find one note and just push it and and just get absorbed and enamored and Taken up by yeah. that sound, so I think that's where it it began.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah, my I I have very fond memories of my grandparents. My my grandfather played uh, piano a lot and, and painted, so that's where a lot of my musicality and artistic stuff comes from. When did when did you start playing like seriously? Like, what what got the bug to actually pick it up um, and like really? You know, deep dive into it.
1: Well, I think I always so I grew up in like rural, the rural rolling hills of of Maryland, and I didn't have a lot of friends, and so I think I spent a lot of alone time just playing music. I had a keyboard eventually, and my parents didn't want to buy me a guitar, and they wouldn't let me have a drum kit. <laughs> so I saved up and I bought a guitar for fifty bucks. But it was a fifty dollar guitar, so it was like the action was like you know the strings were like right. way far off, and uh-huh. so it's kind of a hard guitar to learn on. But I I slowly did. I was terrible at it, and you know I was super involved in church at the time, and I met this Christian grunge band and they needed a drummer, and I told them that I played drums, which (laughs) was not a flat-out lie. It was a stretch. I played a snare drum in a marching band, but I had never played a drum kit. So we started rehearsing at this Southern Baptist church that had a gymnasium and a drum kit, and I don't know why the church let us do this, but it was great because we could just turn up really loud and write nirvana style Christian music. And I could be really loud and bad at drums. And then my parents who had said I couldn't buy a drum kit somehow allowed me to buy a kit, uh, one piece at a time. Mm. So I would, I got a snare already had a snare. So then I got a kick drum and then I got a hi hat and then, you know, I just, got it each piece at a time, um, and all of a sudden there was a drum kit, which is very manipulative on my part. <laughs> but, you know, I was young, and I really wanted to play drums. So I was always kind of – I. but I was writing my own music on the, on the side. I always kind of had my own music, and then I never really brought that forward mm. until – Right after high school, I was in community college and I started a band with my cousins. Mm -hmm. And that's when it kind of became like me collecting people around the music that I was writing and playing. And there's no one as good as your cousins to start playing music with. So Absolutely. Yeah.
0: That's great. At what point did you move from Maryland to Asheville?
1: I moved to Asheville about 10 years ago.
0: Okay. And I read in your bio that you actually abandoned music. I mean, what what was the reason for that?
1: Oh, I did what? I abandoned it? Yes. Um, maybe I, I don't think I did. That might be, I'll have to go back and read. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't abandon it for a while, for like a year or so. I worked in wilderness therapy. So I was working week on, week off. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't gig as much. Okay. Because I was in the woods with teens. Mm-hmm. So that happened.
0: So, so this is turning into like a Wikipedia fact or fiction.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that.
0: That's okay. So you, so you basically just weren't doing it as much. What, what was the reason you started up more seriously and started this process of like really going for it?
1: I just had an incredible community of friends who were so patient and encouraging. Mm. I don't think I sounded that great. <laughs> But somehow, like my sister and my friends were just so encouraging that I kept pursuing it and, you know, thought I could play out and started booking shows and got even more encouragement and Mm -hmm. started meeting more musicians that I really, you know, really had musical crushes on and admired. And they shockingly wanted to play with me. And we, we grew that. My original band in Asheville was with my ex. Mm-hmm. We were a trio. We played. She played violin, and then I had an upright bass player, and he played with me for a long time, and then he moved about an hour and a half away. So
0: mm-hmm. that makes it difficult.
1: But then I found Zach Page, and he's amazing. So
0: that's that's killer. And I I did notice. I don't know if this is deliberate, but. Uh, on your promo shots you have it looks like you have different combinations of people was that kind of a deliberate thing to say you know if if you have if someone's not available you can retool the the band and like do a night with no drummer or do a night with no whatever and and you have the promo shots to go along with that setup is is that a fair statement
1: yeah that's very fair and accurate like usually we'll play at least a four-piece band. Mm-hmm. Oops, sorry, there's a helicopter going over. But uh, we try and be our six-piece band, and we're pretty consistent with who we have in the band. But Bill, our drummer, he lives about an hour away in Brevard, and we're up in Nashville. And you know, and he's in a couple other bands, mm-hmm. so he can't make every gig. So yeah, yeah, we have, and also some gigs are just small. So right. So we'll just play small and yeah, it's fun. I like the different combinations cause it's, it's like, it's like a different flavor. Sure. And with the photos also, we took them during the pandemic. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it was like who, who is available to come out and, and this and that. So. Awesome.
0: So, so by small, you mean, yeah, we've got a stage and there's plenty of power and it's that meme where it's a piece of cardboard and a four-way street. Uh, <laughs> like,
1: totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ugh.
0: is my app yeah. going to blow up? Uh, if you don't mind, can we, can we talk about Bill for a second? Cause is it true that he was on a Bob Dylan album?
1: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Grew, Bill grew up in Minnesota and went to high school with, Bob Dylan's brother. Wow, and I might—I think I might have the facts right. So, but here's my <laughs> recollection of how it goes. So, so Bob Dylan recorded "Blood on the Tracks" with a band in New York, mm. and Dylan was not satisfied with that recording. But they had already printed the the uh, album covers and all the artwork. All that was already printed, but Bob Dylan was like, "I want to redo this whole thing." So, he went to studio back in his hometown in Minnesota and he asked his brother he was looking for a drummer and his brother was like yeah and this guy is really great his name's Bill Bill Berg and so Bill did the blood on the tracks sessions with Dylan and maybe another session but maybe just that one and it was a really magical time he told me it was really cold out because it was Minnesota Uh uh-huh when they tracked, it was, you know, very cold. And then he, he went on to have a, a really magical musical and artistic career. He got to meet a lot of neat people along the way, including Prince and Cat Stevens. And he worked for Disney and did a lot of illustrating. And the one thing that I absolutely admire and am inspired by about Bill is that he The man could name drop like no other, but he is so (laughs) humble and so present and so, so much of an artist and a humanitarian and a friend. And he has taught me so much about living with an open heart and not being bothered by pretentiousness in others Mm -hmm. and not being apprehensive or guarded myself. And he's really taught me that. So
0: that's fantastic. Yeah. So would you mind talking a little bit about the experience of the wilderness therapy? So you were working with troubled teens and, you know, was there anything that you brought from that experience?
1: Yeah. So I worked for a wilderness therapy company. It was definitely a for-profit company that worked with primarily the children of very affluent and privileged parents and so they themselves were very privileged Mm -hmm. and I think the wilderness and the woods and the forest provided a really grounded container for them to land Mm -hmm. in who they are and start listening to that deeper part of their story and really look at their lives and I absolutely loved it and I would have done it longer but it's very it's very grueling. That's the schedule, and there's not enough opportunity for self care right. for instructors. Okay. So
0: yeah. But I mean, did was there any any overarching concept that you learned from that experience?
1: Oh man, I think for me personally, the concept was the thing I learned was the power of of a community because the people that I worked with were very very cool and smart and we all just like on our off shifts we would hang out together and we just had an incredible bonding experience like being in the woods you know making sure these kids pulled through okay and mm. so our off shifts we we'd just do we'd play music a lot we would party we would go to swimming holes and do house concerts and. I learned the value of community and friendship and how that can cover like a lot of those people I'm still friends with through different chapters of my life. They were some of the biggest supports in Asheville when I first started playing they would all come out to my shows and that meant the world to me oh so.
0: that's killer yeah so let's move on to your uh, new single and, and the new music you got coming out. The track which I assume we're gonna play on the, at the end yeah is called my best. So yeah, let's talk about the recording process and how it came about.
1: Yeah. So we went into the studio actually in, it's kind of an older track. The tracking for this came in December of 2018. Okay. So almost three years ago and there was an ice storm and we had to track as quickly as possible because people needed to be able to get home and it's the mountains. And so uh. we just had to keep it tight. And, uh, we recorded, I think eight tracks and we released four in September of 2019, but I didn't have enough money to put them all out. Uh-huh. So we've just been doing it as we can. we put out four and then we've got this one and then there's another one that's going to come out in late October. But it's been neat to kind of, it was neat to like put those four that came out already. It was cool to like organize them. And, and now we're, we've got this single and I'm glad this is a single cause I think it's a great song. So
0: that's great. So when you play live, do you have like a larger body of work or do you do some covers? Like how does that work?
1: Yeah, we have a lot of music that's not recorded and we, we, we primarily play originals. We might slip one, one or two covers in there, but yeah, it's, it's primarily originals. We do some jamming and and some improv, just because a lot of our players have that background. And mm. I like to. I'm a singer, and I like singing. And I and uh, I also like pushing my band members to the front and letting them have their own moments, and I enjoy watching them cut loose. So. We definitely go there live.
0: That's excellent. You know, I I imagine if if the music's a little you know older, did, did, has it gone through a lot of like metamorphosis as you as you go th- you know through it m- multiple times and improvise. Like if if you recorded a track like three years ago, how different would it look today if you recorded it today?
1: That's a great question. I think because I have so much music that we play that hasn't been tracked that like that song had been written these songs have been written it's it wasn't not it was pretty flushed out by the time we got to the studio and so it's pretty similar to we still play it similarly Mm -hmm. as we tracked so and of course every time we play it 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 feels live and fresh but you know it's not gone through any significant changes but i see what you're saying
0: right i i I see a lot of musicians kind of view their albums as a timestamp rather than the definitive version until you get to the kind of metallica and whoever level where where if you don't play it that way then it's you know people get really pissed off
1: oh Um, yeah that's
0: not how it is on the album but you know there's other people that just don't care sure sure it's like let's explore how it how it's going to evolve with different, you know, with different versions of the band often, what prompted you to start working with Joanna? And, you know, what have you learned in kind of exploring the business side of, of your music?
1: Yeah. Joanna and I met right. Well, we started working together right after my trio ended and I had just started the combo. Mm -hmm. You know, I went through a breakup and, and I felt really vulnerable and kind of exposed and ins- and unsure musically because it's such a big transition to, to lose a partner and a bandmate mm. at the same time. And so I was putting out just like a little live thing and she agreed to do the promotion for me. And I just really enjoyed working with her. I had I'd met her through Asheville Music Hall and And some mutual friends and her spirit is just so bright and she's so intelligent and she thinks outside the box and she loves artists. And I, I just have always liked being in her presence and the way that she sees the world and she sees what art and music could be. Uh So yeah, we worked together back then and then, you know, she transitioned into doing her own festival which was really cool. And then the pandemic happened and I was like, I want to put out the single. I need some help. And I was trying to figure out, you know, I feel like the the pandemic has been a big shakeup of, of who's doing what in music. Like who's booking, who's booking this venue? is that venue even open is, you know, who's actually doing music like, and then podcasts and uh, Instagram and like neat little things like, have popped up where people have gotten creative during the pandemic and are bringing music forward in a digital way, in creative ways. And I wanted to tap into that. And I thought of Joanna. I hadn't, I hadn't talked to her in a couple years. So I called her up and I was like, Hey, I'm doing this thing. What are you doing? Do you want to help me get the word out? And she was like, yeah. And I told her, I was like, I want to plug into people like you. Hmm who are who are you know getting into this and getting getting art and creativity to people in ways that are you know not traditional and so yeah she's been helping me and it's been a really fun journey with her
0: that's killing. all right so let's move on to the non-quickfire round of the podcast what significant negative experience have you overcome, and what did that teach you?
1: Mm. In music, or in
0: anything? Anything you want to answer about?
1: Hmm. Ooh. Okay. Uh. Let's see. Well, I think I think something that is an every and every day process of negative negative, uh, circumstances or a negative experience that I have to remain really centered on a daily basis to overcome is kind of a twofold thing that, you know, the music music has changed in the last 10 years. People do not buy music Uh anymore and the financial piece is is a challenge and that's hard but I think the the real kind of hook is that and it's changing which I'm so happy to say Mm -hmm. but as a whole even Asheville the music scene is very sexist and Mm -hmm. most not all but most bookers subconsciously they're great they're great people but subconsciously they're prejudice and believe that important musicians are male musicians and musicians mm. worth paying are male and musicians worth promoting are male and maybe they even book some non-male artists but they're usually paid less on nights that are not as popular on stages that are not as popular at time slots that are not as popular and their visibility the visibility that the venues give those non-male artists is less and Mm. that's changing slowly and there are some really fantastic people that don't do that they 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 love art and they love musicians and they understand the dynamics and so they don't function that way Mm. and also not being a, a cis cis female you know being queer it definitely i definitely hit a glass ceiling pretty hard sometimes so right the overcoming that for me looks like daily focusing on all the beautiful parts and not getting caught in what i don't have but really enjoying and trying to be in what I do have. And I have a lot. So that's, that's a daily kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing.
1: Thank you for listening. That was a lot. I unloaded
0: a lot. Oh, no worries. No, I'm, I'm, I'm all about, all about that. Yeah. It's unfortunate that that still exists, but you know, it's, it's something that, you know, people are, on our side have to just keep pushing and, and hope that it, kind of. It, I don't think it'll ever go away, but it, 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 I I do see a, a positive up, uptick in general for all, all sorts of different prejudices for for sure, not just gender identity and and a, a, anything in that realm. You know, genre. Yeah, I I may you know go down a rabbit hole, but
1: you have a podcast called Music on Your Own Terms, and I love I love that, and
0: right, absolutely,
1: and you're changing the terms, so.
0: I hope so. I hope that's 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 one of the big Part of uh, the solution. goals of the yeah. That's one of the big goals of the podcast is to just push good art out there, you no, know, no matter what. So, yeah. Next question is: What major positive experience has given you the push to follow this journey?
1: Oh my God! I think I've said it already a bit. The people in my life are my heroes and my celebrities. My band, Bill Berg. Zach Page, Kyle Samples, Jackson Delaney, Tina Collins, they are my heroes. My producer, Michael Selvern, Jessica Thomason at Echo, Joanna Haggerty. Like, all these people are my heroes. My sweetheart, Addie, all my fans in my community. Like, they are just – I mean, they keep our community going on a daily basis – especially during the pandemic, you know, like it's been, you know, as a musician, you can't travel or tour safely. Mm. And right now I know a lot of musicians are playing indoors and I can't think every musician has their own circumstance and I don't judge people for that because I think, you know, if you have someone who's willing to book you and they're booking you indoors, it would be really hard to say no to that. Absolutely. But I think that's very dangerous right now. And so we're just playing outdoors and just feeling the support. It's kind of like operating with a broke broken legs or something as an artist. You're not, you can't, you can't be with the people you like playing with in the spaces with, Uh you know, you can't just share space like that. And so the major positive part has just been my fans and the community and the band and the way that, the way that they've all, they, we've all held each other, all of us through this, you know. Even the bigger community, you too. Like we've, we've all had to hold each other to get, to get to this point, and I think we're going to continue to, and we're gonna get through it, and we're gonna, we're gonna learn some stuff. I mean, not that there hasn't been casualties along the way, but I really am grateful for all, all the people
0: that's that's fantastic thank you so much for sharing that last question is what does music mean to you
1: who music makes the people
0: <laughs>
1: mm, music i guess music for me has been a way to to deal with life like i know you know whether it's playing in front of people or just by myself it helps me feel better about life and kind of it's a stress reliever I guess <laughs> if that makes sense that's like my short answer
0: <laughs>
1: it's such a stress reliever
0: what's the long answer
1: the long answer oh I guess that would be the long answer too it's such a stress reliever <laughs> and to get together with people and play it's just like ah oh, it's so cathartic it's it's so good just and like watching people like my uh, band just just like i can i can i get to like we try and get to that place where we can improv and like you know you know go like put we call our laugh steel player the the bus driver mm-hmm. you know he can he can really drive the bus and like dr- you know bill can we just i guess we all can really drive the bus and like collectively doing that is like collective stress relief and I hope it's that way for listeners too.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I it's it's such a meditative it's almost like a meditative practice. I you know, just before we came on I was just I picked up the guitar and I almost I was almost late just because I got into playing whatever I was playing.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. I love that.
0: So all right. If people want to get in touch, listen to your music, where do they go?
1: I would say Well, we're on Spotify and Tidal and all that Alex Krug combo. Just follow us on there. That helps a lot. People following people on Spotify, it actually is on the back end for some reason. It's very helpful. Mm -hmm. And then Instagram is probably my most up-to-date source, and that's at Alex, K-R-U-G, combo. Yeah, I like posting on there, and yeah. That's what we got, and our, our single comes out, I'm not sure when this is airing, but September 10th, so people might be finding out about this after it comes out.
0: Yeah, they will. It's uh, I believe I have this set up for the 28th.
1: Awesome. So you'll be able to listen right away. Yep. My best.
0: And on that note, my best. We talked about the recording of it, but is there a story behind the song itself?
1: There actually is, so thank you for asking. So I had this line I was playing I I had this chord progression and this melody and these lyrics like I wore my best out to your place in the country and I wrote the first verse kind of about that and then I need and I had had a chorus I came I had a chorus but then I needed to write the second verse and I was kind of stumped because I kept thinking that the song was about this character who Was wearing their best, and they were, they had taken this journey to get back to this house out in the country, where they had had some deep memories and connection to it, and they were headed there. And in my mind, the house was now abandoned, but they didn't know that yet. But they're headed there, and so I thought that it was, the song was about this person on this journey. So I kept trying to write this, the second verse about that, but then. And it took a while. Then I realized that the song wasn't about that. The song was more about showing, wearing your best and showing, okay, yeah, the song was about doing the best you can with the cards you've been dealt. So the course is a little bit of talk about playing cards and gambling. And so the idea is like you bring your best, you wear your best, and you play you play your cards the best you can but you can't necessarily help the hand that you've been dealt. You know like sometimes we're dealt a tough hand and that's just what we have to show up with and we play it we play it out in the way that we we best know how. And love is often we often think we're in control like like that we can protect ourselves from getting hurt when it comes to love and I think you know, obviously, we we try and make the best choices we have given the knowledge we have at the time in making decisions. But ultimately, that that's all we can do, and we don't have control over heartbreak or you know loss. We just we have to play our hand, and so that's kind of what the song's about.
0: That's fantastic. So this has been, uh, yeah, it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. So thank you so much. Stay in touch and continued success. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening. I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform, as this really helps get the word out about the podcast so other musicians can benefit from the awesome knowledge that my guests are sharing. The more the musicians community collectively learns, the stronger we will become. A rising tide lifts all ships. This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Printing Company in Fort Worth, Texas, offering a full range of apparel decoration and promotional items such as screen printing, embroidery, laser engraving, and much more. The Skinny Armadillo is now offering a merch fulfillment service including on-demand printing and a custom-built web store so you can concentrate on your music and running your business as a musician. Visit theskinnyarmadillo.com or call 817-546-1430 to learn how the Skinny Armadillo can help you take your merch to the next level. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is the Alex Krug Combo with My Best.